0: Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration?
1: Who are those guys?
0: I'm Galen, and I'm Doug,
1: and we're Those Movie Guys, bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007. Today is Sunday, July 22nd, 2007. Today on the show, we have an early review of the theatrical release of Sunshine. Then, we take a look at two DVDs, The Astronaut Farmer and The Vanishing. Finally, it's the end of the world as we know it, but Doug and I feel fine as we count down our top five end of the world movies. We now take a look
0: at the theatrical release of Sunshine. Director Danny Boyle belongs to the rare class of directors who is willing to experiment with style and genres, rather than devoting most of his career to one particular type of film. His critical successes have included the tragicomic Spotting, the horror film 28 Days Later, and the comedy Millions. Now Boyle tries his hand at the sci-fi film with Sunshine. Set 50 years in the future... Sunshine tells the story of a group of astronauts who are attempting to restore life to a sun that is dying and threatens to freeze out all life on Earth. Now, this this film's focus on a group of astronauts who are Earth's last hope for survival seems eerily similar to perennial underachiever Michael Bay's Armageddon, as well as the equally lackluster Deep Impact. However, we both had high hopes going in that a director of Boyle's stature could help to turn a plotline retread into a legitimately interesting sci-fi film. Were we right or overly optimistic?
1: I think for the most part we were correct to be optimistic about this film. I think that it, first of all, has a great visual style. I love the special effects in it. I think that there are some shots of the sun that are just amazing, and I don't know if I've ever seen in film or even scientific documentaries, pictures of the sun that looked that amazing. So I really like that. I also like the set designs. It had a style to it that reminded me a lot of 2001 at Space Odyssey, where you have these kind of sterile, lifeless-looking sets. And it gives a definite creep factor. They're also very claustrophobic, which contributes to that. The lighting is very hellish. I mean, it alternates between dark blues and and grays, and that end of the palette to oranges and bright yellows and flame. And, and I really, I really like the visual style overall. So I like that. I thought the acting was solid across the board as well. I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily a standout performance in the cast, but I think everyone did a great job of portraying this crew that is essentially unhinging. At right as they're getting to the point of fulfilling their mission. You know, and I, I do, I also like how they put you into this ship while it's near the end of the mission. I mean, you see nothing on Earth until the very end of the film, you know very little about these people's lives back on Earth. And you they, you don't know how the mission got started. You don't even know the specifics of what exactly they're trying to do, which is kind of a flaw in the film. It, it's that it almost is too confusing at times. But overall, I enjoyed that. I liked being just put in the middle and kind of left to float around and find the meaning for myself. Finished? <laughs> no, I'm not, but I thought I'd let you go.
0: Well... I'll say that you saved me a lot of work because (laughs) I agree with you pretty much word for word. I I really like the movie, too, a whole lot. I thought, as you mentioned about the lighting, I thought the movie made a great use of... You know, the film is is dark, and a lot of times it's hard to see Mm -hmm. what's going on, but at the same time, I'd say this film does one of the better jobs of using every color from the palette. And I say that by... Like you said, the shots of the sun just use these extreme reds and orange and yellows. And you have then the more organic greens and yeah. blues from some of the the, the conservatory areas, right. I
1: guess I'd call the it. The oxygen farm. I right, think they yeah, oxygen it.
0: farm. And then you have your very neutral grays and stuff from what you said is like the lifeless claustrophobic yeah. scenes. And the, and the whites. Right, and it's it's all done very, very well. So I agree with you there. I agree the acting is very well done. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything Oscar-worthy. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cillian Murphy is great. Uh, Michelle
1: Yeoh is great. But like like we said, nothing uh, stand out.
0: Yes, it's totally believable. As far as the confusion, I do agree I had trouble putting elements of the film together. But I did like that it, it it refrained from going into the the techno babble that sometimes yes. science fiction films can get into. It it really did feel like you were a part of this crew as well, kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say a passenger, but you know you're watching them kind of unhinge, unfold, and you're just kind of thrust in the middle of it. Yeah. There's no reference to atomic sub particle. <laughs> you know, yeah, contraptions yeah, yeah. that, that there's nobody
1: just, understands. There's this bomb that's going to revive the sun. The sun and you don't and understand how it works, there. but it yeah. doesn't matter. And it, it reminded me a lot of um, the old saying that just about any movie can be made <laughs> better by chopping off the first 20 minutes. And this feels like a movie that the first 20, 20 minutes, minutes is chopped off. Because you're just right there towards the end of the mission. And... You basically are left, like I said, you're floating trying to pick up the pieces, and I enjoyed that for the most part. Right. And let me tell you two things that I think were the standouts of
0: the film. The third being, of course, the visuals. I think the fact that it wasn't bogged down in a bunch of character drama. Right, right. I thought, you know, some people could argue, oh, there's you don't get to know the characters, there's no character development. I don't think that's necessarily important in this no, film. No,
1: and I think you do get to know the
0: characters. Right, I you think just they're get strong to know enough. Their
1: personalities. Right,
0: and I think the highlight of this film was the sound. Mm, absolutely, I loved the sound and and. I hesitate to say soundtrack, because there's hardly any music in this movie.
1: Right, which is part of the genius of the sound, actually. But,
0: yeah, but all of the atmospheric sounds, I shouldn't have said atmospheric, because I wanted to say all of the sounds give the movie such yeah. atmosphere, it it really brings you into the film. I mean, it gives you a heightened sense of alert when things go wrong, Yeah. and... It makes, like you said, those kind of lifeless shots down the corridors that much creepier. Yeah,
1: it's exceptionally creepy. I mean, and that's another thing, too. I, the direction is terrific as well. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat throughout so much of this film. And to maintain that through an hour 40 minutes, an hour 45 minutes, that that's impressive to do in any film. And, right. and he does a, he did a great job of that in 28 Days Later. And he certainly does it again here. But uh, I, you know, I, I definitely agree with what you said about the music. I couldn't word that any better myself. Um, but like I said, it is confusing in parts, and I, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's, it's hard for me to criticize that because on the one hand, I enjoy that because I don't think it's necessarily vital to understand every element of a film. If plot-wise, right. in order to enjoy, because there are agree. tons of movies that I don't understand. Uh, 2001, which we mentioned earlier, I don't know if anybody Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote the well, script, probably doesn't understand that movie. But and at the
0: same time, because you know, I, I feel I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not going to argue this. I'm actually thinking of movies like 2001, and a good example to is Children of Men. Yeah, you don't understand all of its plot elements either. But there's stuff. Bigger than those plot elements right. working in the film, this one maybe not so much, yeah, and that's why it's more of a criticism here.
1: that actually you did a much better job of articulating that than I was, but that pretty much nails it right on the head,
0: yeah, well, I agree with you that some of that speed cutting, yeah, and the the confusion generated like a a lot of the this Sabotage or who the introduction becomes, of the
1: villain? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if that worked. I'm not sure if they even needed that to tell you the truth. Right, I agree. But yeah.
0: But I guess they're just kind of minor complaints.
1: Yeah, nothing major. So, what are you going to give, Sunshine Doug? I'm giving it a four. I'm giving it a four as well. I think we pretty much agreed <laughs> across the board yes. on that one. Okay, now let's head on to 1988's The Vanishing. A quick note on this, any remarks we are making is to the 1988 version of The Vanishing called Sporlos. It's actually a Danish-French film. I believe it's all French language. So if it's the American version with Jeff Bridges, you know it's the wrong copy. So our comments will have nothing to do with that version. Well, Doug, the last DVD I gave you that you weren't sure about was The Bridge to Terabithia, which resulted in the most vicious fight we've ever had in our short history and caused us to form an agreement that we would never speak of it again. So allow me to segue into 1988's The Vanishing, directed by George Sluyser. And another comment, please forgive the mispronunciations. The film follows Rex and Saskia, a young Dutch couple vacationing in France. All is going well for the two who are very much in love until Saskia vanishes. Rex spends the next three years desperately trying to find out what happened to her, until he is finally offered the opportunity to realize the horrible truth. I'm going to hold back on what I think of the movie for now, but I want to know what you think, Doug. Did I give you a good one this time, or was this idea as bad as hiring Michael Vick as a dog sitter? Allegedly.
0: (laughs) Poor Michael Vick. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Poor dog. (laughs) Yeah, really.
1: All right. Well, I'll say
0: that this one was not even close to as bad as Bridge to Terabithia, enough said. Now, I really like this film. Okay. And... I think it was a very original take on the kidnapping type mm-hmm. story. It's certainly nothing like I've ever seen, and I think it. it the film's greatest strength is it, it really keeps the viewer gripped. It keeps them intriguing. You know, there's a moment where the character, as you said, when he is given the opportunity to learn the truth, and he almost refuses, saying, yeah. "I don't care anymore." The viewer. Me as the viewer, I'm like, ah, oh, no. That
1: that <laughs> is a fantastic scene. Yes, it really is. Because you're so you're torn as he is. Cause right. You you know what's going to happen to him. I mean, not the specifics, but right. you know it's not going to end well if he decides to drink that cup. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you totally understand why he has to do it. Yes,
0: and and you're right. It is a great scene, and I think. Uh, The movie does a great job, too, throughout giving you clues or, or let me say, pieces of the puzzle. More so the kidnapper practicing at what he's doing. I think some of those are some great scenes as well. Um, I even like the character of Rex Hoffman. I think it's it's very interesting how you start out with him and his relationship with Saskia. And the movie even does a good job playing with your, your... senses because several times you know i knew this was she was going to get kidnapped yeah i didn't know the time yeah I, there were certain scenes that happens like oh when he comes back she's gone. gone
1: and yeah and it
0: just that doesn't happen so i i like that it's, it's you know what's coming but yet you don't
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i think that if i had to give some minor gripes to the movie Unlike Sunshine, I'd give it to the soundtrack in this. Yeah, fortunately, it's very sparse as yeah. far as music. But yeah, I don't there, even
1: honestly remember it, and I only
0: saw it a few days ago. Right, but but it sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this is going to be a very highly recommended film for yeah. me.
1: Well, I I you know this time you pretty much did a lot of my job for me. I I will go into a little more detail with some things with the scenes. Normally we don't like to go scene by scene, but there are a few I think that just begs to be talked about. I mean, you mentioned the scene where Rex is pacing around deciding what to do about mm-hmm. him. he's given the opportunity to find out what happens to happen to Saskia from the kidnapper. And it's just terrific because like I said, you understand what's going through his mind and you understand why he does what he does, but even how that scene is composed, I love it, it. How it alternates between shots from the car looking at him pacing around, right. to shots of the kidnapper uh, Raymond, and the it, it's just how the rain kind of obscures the kidnapper's face on the car windshield. I just for some reason that scene sticks with me, and I just thought it was amazing how it looked. It really had a powerful effect. You know, I also think there are some just chilling scenes. I think you mentioned Raymond practicing what he's his kidnapping technique right, and wherever he does that with his daughter, it's yeah. so freaky it's <laughs> It's legitimately creepy how he does this, and he's probably i mean i don't I, at least to my knowledge I don't know any serial killers, <laughs> but I would imagine that most of them act like Raymond in this film i just he just seemed like a totally believable character right it I, was unbelievable
0: the characters alone are another great great strength of the movie. yeah
1: yeah rex and uh rex and raymond both are completely believable right. in what they do
0: and how they act right raymond like you said if you kind of imagine this movie doesn't necessarily pass raymond off as just some creepy guy always dressed in black or right, real no. low life. No, he's a family man. He's he's got a respected job.
1: Yeah, and he's methodical and almost bureaucratic in how he handles his his killing and kidnappings. Right. It's
0: amazing. And and as far as Rex goes, I, I like the fact too that you kinda leave his character for a while and when you come back He's tried to move on, because he's with another girl, mm-hmm. starting yes. another relationship, but he just can't get away from Saskia, yeah. and it just pulls and tugs at him till eventually, you know, he gets his opportunity to find out the truth, and of course he bites.
1: Yeah. I mean, other scenes, I like, I love the image of Saskia outside the tunnel. I thought that was a great image. Right, kind of shrouded in the light. Yeah, yeah, I just love that. I I also another scene that I just completely built up the tension for me was whenever they're sitting in the outdoor cafe and Raymond or I'm sorry, Rex is talking to his new girlfriend Lianka mm-hmm. and they're sitting there talking and he's supposedly the abductor Raymond is supposed to be showing up and he's not coming, he's not coming. And I'm not even sure where it occurs, but at a certain point, you realize that out of focus in the background, there he is. And I can't... He's not there at the beginning of the scene, but just somewhere in one of the cuts, he's there. And it's just legitimately freaky whenever that happens. When I think
0: the movie does those types of things well in other places too, because as you get a lot of the scenes of, of Raymond... Practicing, so to speak, by the time that his part of the story works up to where Saskia gets abduct, abducted, you see those similar events that you saw at the beginning, just from Raymond's point of view. And I think it's pretty cool that you see, you know, Raymond watching Saskia, and in the background, out of focus, is Rex.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that is that is neat. It, it, the whole thing, it's just amazing. I. It's a term that's overused, but very much Hitchcockian. Yes. It, Al, I, Alfred Hitchcock could have
0: made this film. Uh, he would have at least been happy to see. Oh, yeah. Yes, I think it was It was a good homage, I guess I'll say. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I truly believe that it it's definitely in that vein, and I would not be hesitant to say if you like Hitchcock and if you can get past subtitles, which I know, unfortunately, there are people who won't, Yeah, Yeah, I I think it's insane, but there are people who won't watch a subtitled film. But if you don't mind that, and if you love suspenseful movies, I don't think you can get much better one than The Vanishing.
0: I agree. And, you know, it's not not necessarily suspenseful for its slasher-type, horror-type. No. It's it's just natural. It's what, like you said, Hitchcock did best, just generating (laughs) that suspense for tension and for the moment and for
1: people's character. Even the ending, which you think is going to get gory, doesn't, but it's just bone-chillingly frightening. Yes. And that—that's Especially what Hitchcock if you're claustrophobic. The... Yes, definitely. <laughs> so what are you going to give The Vanishing? I'm going to give it a four and a half. I'm going even higher. I'm going to give it a perfect five. So we both highly recommend it. As I said... This one is Sporlos, the foreign version. Please do not get the new version that was made in the 90s. Is with it terrible? I've heard it's terrible. They changed the ending as a happy ending in oh. the new one. And I heard it's truly awful. So, even though it's the same director, actually, who did it. But, so please avoid it. Get the original Sporlos. Okay, next we're going to take a look at this past week, or I believe it's two weeks ago, The Astronaut Farmer came out on DVD. So, Doug, this week you managed to finally see it, and I haven't yet. The plot centers on Billy Bob Thornton, who plays Charles Farmer, who is, you guessed it, a farmer. I'm eager to find out if all the writing is as clever as the name choice, but I digress. In the film, apparently Farmer was forced to retire from NASA, but never gave up his dream of flying in space. So he takes the logical course that anyone would take, and constructs his own rocket. No doubt out of tractor parts. And I wonder if it can use cow manure as fuel. But I digress again. Now the government steps in to try and stop him. Everyone thinks he's crazy, and if he builds it, they will come. Oh wait, that's a different movie. I'm sorry, I couldn't tell. Anyways, in case you haven't noticed, I have a degree of contempt for this film, and since I've never seen it, and only resent it based on its concept, I'll turn things over to you for a more fair and even review. Well, this review won't be that even. There's some good and a
0: whole lot of bad. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) But we'll, we'll start with the good. Um, The acting is passable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wouldn't say there's any Oscar-worthy performances here, but it certainly didn't really destroy the film.
1: That's a ringing endorsement.
0: Um, There's good themes of never letting your dreams die and overcoming adversity. Of course, that's been done in about a thousand <laughs> other films, all of which are probably a little bit better. <laughs> the one thing I will give the movie credit for is... The outdoor scenery and cinematography sometimes is extremely beautiful. Very beautiful. Striking so that it, it caught my attention. Maybe because nothing else in the movie did. <laughs> but I, I did love a lot of the outdoor scenes. They tend to kind of keep a a solid color on screen. You know, during the sunsets it's it's dominant reds and oranges. A lot of the outdoor scenes actually are, are that color. And that ends pretty much the good. The bad, well, we'll start with the writing. Right, now, now it's not as cheesy as what you had in your blurb about him being a farmer. You know, you don't really, you don't see him being the farmer. But where I hated the, the writing was there's times of needless drama where plot events happen, deaths things and they go into kind of these long speeches and it's like oh yeah that could be meaningful if this were a good film <laughs> but it's not really it's it's very needless and drawn out the the story itself is very far fetched okay i yeah. can believe the fact and i'm going to go ahead and even spoil a couple things here cuz i just I don't want to give the movie any credit, and I don't want you guys to see it this <laughs> So I'm going to kind of give the sum of the story away. It's very far-fetched. Yes, he was let go from NASA, and he has built his own rocket out of where I guess you'd call a, a rocket graveyard. He took the point of okay. these parts, and being the engineer that he was spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and faced foreclosures and and all kinds of bad things, which introduces the drama of his family get being torn apart because now they're bankrupt and all that bullshit. Well, anyways, he ends up failing, which I think kind of strengthened the story. The problem was after that first failure, He quickly rebuilds the whole freaking rocket and tries again, and it's like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. He strapped himself so far to get this first rocket, and sure, he kind of started to use the media as a way of getting money, but I don't think you could rebuild this rocket the way he did. You know, the the movie kind of lets you on, it's been his life's work, his goal, and then here all of a sudden it's. Boom, he has a new rocket after his first failure. Let's fly again. Um, I didn't buy
1: it. I I don't either, and I (laughs) haven't seen it, so...
0: (laughs) Now we'll turn on to the special effects. A movie like this doesn't really call for many special effects. But what's in here is really, really bad. Really? And I actually refer to the the first flight. There's an instance where... Pretty much the rocket comes apart and he almost jettisons and away from the rocket in the wrong direction. Not only is it obvious you know obvious computer graphics, but the actual say physics of his flight where he just gets launched and all of a sudden hits the ground dead stop from like (laughs) two thousand miles an hour to dead zero stop. Totally unbelievable. Yeah, I'm and pretty it, it sure you'd horrible. be dead. If <laughs> yeah, that and, happened. And he survived it. He yeah. survived it. Um That that's the worst of it. The ending's pretty goofy. I mean, when he does eventually get into space, he of course has all kinds of problems and obstacles. But it didn't matter. He still landed just maybe five miles away from his house and his family's right there to pick him up. End of story, roll credits. Wow. Yeah, it didn't really work for me either. Um, I can't really, <laughs> I can't say that the movie is horrible, horrible. If you're looking for simply a family film with good themes, something that the kids can watch as well.
1: Rent Field of Dreams. <laughs> that's, that's very good, very good, I like that. Yes,
0: Rent Field of Dreams this if you are looking for something very current. <laughs> yeah, and if you've seen, seen Field, of Field of Dreams <laughs> a thousand times, <laughs> I'd still recommend watching it again. Th- this could be a good rental. Okay. So I'm going to give it a 2. All
1: right. Not horrible, but certainly worthy of some contempt. Okay, Doug, before we get on to our list today, we do have some listener mail to get to, uh, we're pretty bad with actually doing a listener mail segment on this show, but we're going to try to do it from now on if we can.
0: And this is a Harry Potter question, yes. correct? So well, I can sit back comments. and lean against the wall yeah, you not can... participate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just
1: sit there and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, uh, the uh actually this was an anonymous email, so we don't know who it's from. Ooh. I know, it's secret. It, it could be George Bush, it could be... Vladimir Putin, we don't know. J.K. Rowling, maybe. So, Ms. Rowling, this is for you. We wanted to let you know that we got your mail, and her comment was that uh, whenever I referred to Dolores Umbridge, the villain of the newest Harry Potter film, I said that one of the problems I had with her was that she acted pretend nice, and I didn't really get why, because she would act flagrantly evil. And I didn't understand what the purpose would be to acting fake nice. Because typically, at least here in the States, people act fake nice to get what they want rather than... <laughs> <laughs> that That's how we work. <laughs> but um, this emailer raised a very good point that Umbridge is British upper class. And to British upper class people, it's considered proper behavior to act nice. So that explains why she act fake nice. And as much as I would like to say that you're wrong, I have to admit you're probably right. Maybe it was the actress that played her who wrote that email. It could be. That that could be. I still think it was J.K. Rowling. But at, in any event, <laughs> I, I have to agree with you that you're probably right. Now, I, I did respond to the emailer, and as I said in my response... It would, It doesn't affect my review of the film. I gave it a three and a half. I still stand by that, because that was a very minor issue I had. I, I There were a lot of other issues I had, and I still recommend the film. It's just, it's not as good as The Goblet of Fire, for example. So that's this week's listener mail segment, and we'd like to encourage all of you to send your email to thosemovieguys at gmail.com. Or if you'd prefer to post messages to our blog at Blogspot or to Google Mail, that, or our Google Group, I'm sorry, that's fine too. And we also have a MySpace account now, so you can add us on MySpace.
0: Meteors crashing down, floods destroying cities, and aliens taking over our planet. The world as we know it is coming to an end. Before it collapses forever, we're going to discuss our top five favorite
1: apocalyptic films. Galen, I'll let you start. Okay, well first I'd (laughs) like to talk about my criteria briefly, and these are films where either the end of the world has already occurred, or some apocalyptic event has occurred that has drastically reduced the population, or threatens it, or the... end of the world is being threatened there's some danger of it coming in the future so my number five pick is hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where the end of the world occurs in about the first 10 minutes of the film (laughs) and the earth is destroyed in order to make way for an interstellar transit route you know this is a hilarious movie i really like it if you like the books i think you really ought to enjoy the film I know there are people who like the books who think that the film was awful, but I I totally disagree with that. I, I don't think it's perfect by any means, but I think it keeps the same dry sense of humor that Douglas Adams has in the book. So that's my number five choice.
0: My number five choice is actually a movie that I've rated as number one for a lot of lists, but I'm going to include it here. It's Children of Men. Yeah. And because I've included it on so many lists that's why I'll push it back to number 5. I promise my other movies aren't rehashed on the <laughs> other list. But of course, Children of Men is, you know, an insightful and almost horrific look of what our world might become and the plot line itself kind of <clears throat> involves you know, women can no longer fertilize and yeah. the world will certainly die out without this Occurring now, the movie, of course, is good for its—I think—for its themes of immigration and you know what we do as a country, almost to become self-controlling or you know almost dominating. We don't let anybody in. We don't. We're taking control of everything in our own hands. It's like radical isolationism. To use the million-dollar high (laughs) school language, yes, that's what it is,
1: and. So there's my number five. Go ahead with your number four. Well, I I did actually consider Children of Men, but I decided to leave it off. My number four is The Matrix, where the end of the world is basically happened five or six hundred years ago. I don't think you ever get the exact date. But, and obviously this is the first Matrix film, although I don't think the second is bad. But I I just love the... Obviously, the special effects were something that at the time were interesting, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really cool to see those fight scenes. I know they've been done to death, and we've had horrible things like 300 mimic it, but really, The Matrix did it the best, even to this day. I still love some of those fight scenes. They're just fantastic to watch, and... The first is the best mainly because you care about the characters, I think, more in the first film than you do in the others. In the others, it's almost like they, forwent, they uh, completely forgot the story and just decided to string together action scenes.
0: Right. With the second actually being cool, but right sucking huge balls. Yes. <laughs> okay. A good choice. I oh, uh,
1: one other point with The Matrix, I'm sorry. Is, <laughs> okay. Is, is, it... Uh, also fitting in with the end of the world is it deals with the philosophy of the end of the world as well and that you know what what makes life worth living um is it cypher it uh, you'll have to help me out i think cypher is the one who betrays yes mia and it it really gives you the sense of you know in a world that has no hope no this no uh no chance It's very much like Children of Men, where you see... You understand why a man like Cypher would just want to exit himself from that world and just live a fantasy life instead of dealing with the reality of this apocalyptic world. Similar
0: to the villain in Sunshine.
1: Yeah. And now I am officially done. Okay.
0: (laughs) Um, my number four movie is The Terminator 2. Oh. I... Love that movie! It's actually, I believe, what 1990 or 91. I forget the exact year. I forget the exact out, year, but too. it, for an action movie, showcased some pretty cool special effects. Yeah. Not to mention, made an absolute ass kicking in the box office. <clears throat> I believe it grossed some 560 million dollars or something worldwide. Now, the first one was decent too. I I did like the first, but I think it was the second that really set the series apart and then completely. Barred by the third.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I haven't
0: seen the third,
1: but I have heard horrible I've things. I've
0: seen parts of it, I just kind of lost interest in it. Partly because I didn't want it to ruin why I liked yeah. it the first. And Claire but, Danes sorry, has second. like
1: that one facial expression throughout the entire movie. <laughs> so that's kind of fun.
0: But, and, and you know, this this movie actually, Terminator 2, kind of brings me back to my childhood. Yeah. You know, I maybe more teenage years, I guess, but... I, I did like the movie, and I'm giving it number four spot.
1: Well, my m- number three won't take long. It's also Terminator two. Pretty much everything <laughs> you said did, and I I, I really like the. Uh, geez, the, uh, um, my memory is horrible today. But the T two thousand, I think, yeah. was the name of the the evil t- Terminator in this. I loved that, and it, it just it's really in an era where. So many sci-fi films are just brainless action slob. It was great <laughs> to see a movie that actually dealt... With, I mean, because the first two Terminators both dealt with time travel in an interesting way. I mean, you dealt with those paradoxes about, well, wait, if I do this in the past and yeah. then come in the future. and I, I, From what I hear, one of the problems is that the third doesn't really de- deal with that. It is just an action movie, and... That's a shame, because that was kind of the hallmark of the Terminators, is being intelligent science fiction.
0: Which is so badly missing from our world today. Yeah,
1: although we did see one Right, tonight. Sunshine was a yes. breath of
0: fresh air. My number three movie's actually kind of a comedy. It's Shaun of the Dead. Oh. And this movie I actually just saw not too long ago. I believe it's a 2004 yeah. film, but by Simon Pegg. And what I love about this movie is you could say the end of the world kind of happens already, but the characters don't realize yeah. it till late in the film. So many times you see the main character and his friends interacting with, you know, out of focus in the background zombies, yeah, eating each yeah. other and, you know, walking along and it does make for a lot of funny scenes and it, doesn't end particularly well, because most of the city becomes zombies and they almost need to find a way to coexist.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that is the funny thing with Shaun of the Dead, is how it takes everyone so long to realize something's going (laughs) on.
0: (laughs) But I think it's a good film. I highly recommend it. Okay. And it's getting number three.
1: Well, my number two film is the 1956 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, the traditional story of aliens come to Earth, they replace human beings with pod people, and they basically, their hallmark is they have one goal, they have one set of standards. They're, they're like automatons. Basically, they're zombies. In a way, it's one of the earlier zombie flicks. You know, how they have no emotion, no feeling, and they just kind of go about their business, and it's really a very terrifying movie too, because it it, aside from the social commentary about 20th century life, everyone becoming mindless automatons Mm -hmm. and servants of the collective culture it, it really is a chilling story, and it is frightening and they're actually the remake is coming out next month, Invasion with uh, Nicole Kidman, right. which is the third remake, actually, of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So that's my number two choice.
0: My number two choice, and before I ad- admit what it is, I'll admit that I haven't read the book, it's The Sum of All Fears. Okay. And I, I love Morgan Freeman and just about anything yeah. he's in, but I think he's great in this, too. And I, this film holds particular interest with me because, aside from being a good film, it's probably the one non-horror-type like horror type movie that had me jump for the ceiling. Yeah. When that nuclear bomb does go off in the city, I, I believe that the shot is almost like in an airport or something. And you always know it's kind of coming, but then just all of a sudden, kaboom, and yeah it... Of course, shocked me. I think it's also relevant today. I mean, you—that kind of we always fear. We going when is the next world war going to happen? And you know, the the threat of (laughs) nuclear—I'll say my George Bush's nuclear (laughs) devices. It it is a scary thing. Yeah, it's scary that we can create such a powerful explosive that could wipe our planet off. Off the face of the earth, I do <laughs> to say, but off the galaxy. <laughs> and I'm done now. All right. White
1: fire planet <laughs> off the face of the earth. That's good. Um, no, I, th- that is a, a pretty good movie. I, you're right about Morgan Freeman, absolutely. My number one choice, Dr. Love, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. You know, this is kind of the quintessential to me end of the world movie because it it does you were talking about nuclear weapons hmm. and the really I it's almost farcical that human that any being would create weapons so powerful that they could destroy all of them. And that's what Doctor Strange Love does is it takes that concept of how comedic that is looking from the outside and they turn it into a comedy and and the world does end in dr strangelove and it's hilarious because the russians in the u.s just it's a comedy of errors they just don't get it and at the same time you have um uh dr strangelove played by uh Peter Sellers, and he he also plays two other roles, he plays the President of the United States in the film, and a British air commander, and he's great in all those roles, and it just, it really is, it's poking fun at humanity's capacity for destroying itself, so that's my number one choice.
0: Well, as I look over my list, I I feel kind of cheap that my number one is going to be another zombie film, but... I have to give credit to the master of the zombie film, and so actually I'm putting all of his movies in this series, the George A. Romero Dead series. That's good. Dating back from 1968 all the way to the most current one today. I mean, these films started out as low-budget zombie movies, but as we've mentioned numerous times on the show today, they had much bigger themes kind of working throughout the film rather than just being senseless zombie action. Yeah. You know, the way it's comments kind of on society and stuff. And I think... George A. Romero should be our next president. <laughs> <Very good.
1: laughs> that's kind of out of nowhere, but I certainly don't believe that we could go much worse. So, uh, yeah, and also another interesting thing is I believe all of them were filmed in Pittsburgh, very near yeah. where we live.
0: Yeah, I believe.
1: So that that's kind of a cool he thing, a too. a student
0: of Pittsburgh.
1: I know, I've been to the Monroeville Mall, and it is funny, because it's almost a tourist destination for some people who are huge George A. Romero fans, they'll come and take pictures of themselves walking like zombies throughout the Monroeville Mall, and it's really funny to see. The Monroeville Mall? Yes! Why? The Monroeville Mall was where uh, Dawn of the Dead was filmed.
0: Oh, jeez. Yeah, the I original. I did even yes. that. Yes,
1: yes, it was. <laughs> so, I guess I, I got guess you just, something I didn't today. put
0: two and two together. <laughs> there really is no other, I guess, large mall near Pittsburgh. I yeah. guess that was station square, but that probably wasn't even
1: built no, back in the sixties. No. no. So yeah, Monroeville Mall. How about that? Yeah, so <laughs> so even even Doug learned something from this podcast, so I'm sure you guys did as well. Alright, well now we're going to finally get around to talking about what's coming out next week that we'd like to mention to you. First of all, coming out on DVD this Tuesday, the 24th, we have The Host, which we reviewed. The monster movie from Korea. Both Very of good us, movie. I yes. believe we both gave it a four, if I, I remember I, right. But pretty high. Yes. I know we both highly recommend it. It's definitely... It's a strange mix, mix of genres. Everything from horror to monster to comedy. But most but, of it works. Yes. And then we have a bunch of movies we didn't see and some that we never will <laughs> We have first we have Zodiac directed by David Fincher who brought us Seven I think uh, both of us were interested to see that movie and see what it's like it certainly had a lot of good buzz then we have Renaissance which is a movie a lot of you may not have heard of the best way to describe it is it's kind of like a Sin City crossed with through a scanner darkly because it uses that kind of rotoscope animation but it's all in severe black and white tones
0: there's pretty much no gray it's black yeah. or it's white
1: yeah and it, it looks really interesting i'm really looking forward to seeing that and doug and i will try to get you reviews of one or maybe both of those for next week we'll see what we can do and then moving on to the more horrible films of the week, we have Slow Burn, which was a kind of new, uh, a kind of neo-noir film starring Jolene Blaylock, who is ridiculously hot and is the reason why I wanted to see the film. But it's gotten horrible reviews, so I, I may still check it out, but I'm not as optimistic as I initially was. And then we have the number twenty-three with Jim Carrey. If you add the total (laughs) time of this podcast and subtract that from the
0: number of the month of July,
1: it's twenty-three. Oh my god! Oh my god! We have to check that out. All right. Well, we're gonna check our math on that. But well, and get is like they should have made the release date for this movie the twenty-third. Just bring it on Monday. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, but if you subtract 1 from 24, you get 23. That so. makes it certain that we're going to die. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that's those are the DVD releases of note. Coming up this Friday in theaters, we have both Rescue Dawn and Sunshine will finally be in wide release. So everyone will be able to see those two movies, not just those who are lucky enough to be in the cities where it was released last week. And then we have The Simpsons movie. And and once again, Doug and I will try to review at least one of The Simpsons movie or Rescue Dawn, and it'd be nice if we can do both. And then we have another movie neither of us will ever see, Who's Your Caddy? that's gotta
0: be the most hilarious comedy
1: (laughs) and both of us are golfers but it looks truly hideous so i hope you avoid that as well for your own sakes so that's the show for today and once again if you have any comments or questions or queries you'd like to pose to us just email us at those movieguys at com, and we'll be happy to get back to you Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today, please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our feed.
0: Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com when you're there search for those movie guys you can post a message to our forums and you can also email us at those at gmail.com it's those at gmail.com we
1: look forward to any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded.
0: i do wish we could chat longer but
1: i'm having an old friend for dinner bye